Amen. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, Jet. Yes, let's encourage them. Uh, good stuff. Uh, good morning once again. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, some of you met my cousin last week. She was uh, hanging around. She's visiting from Australia. She's lived there about 15 years. She's married there, uh, family there. Uh, grew up with us on the East Coast where I'm from in New Jersey, so I don't see her too often, but it's always fun to catch up and kind of reminisce about old times. Uh, and my family is a, is a large family, so my dad's one of 12, and they all are Italian Catholics, and they all have kids, and then there's, you know, they split, and those kids, you know, people have more kids. It's this huge family. And as we've kind of gotten older, you know, the, our cousins group, we, we, we don't see each other too often, but it's nice when you do. And you kind of go back and, and ask those questions, like, what was really going on there with uncle so-and-so? Because you know when, like, you're kids, you're just kind of living it, and then you start to look back on your family as an adult, like, wow, that is a weird family. Like, what is, so, so we were sitting up late one night, just going through different people, and where they're at, and where's our, you know, this cousin, and we have well over 30 cousins, and all these kind of second cousins, and, um, you know, divorces and, and broken places that are the tree kind of gets a little funky and it's just life and we're looking going through it and she starts asking because she's kind of recently started to go through some of this stuff like uncovering who people were and where they come from what's the story and I feel like I've been a little closer to it and 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 so she was asking like so I don't want to like mention names about my family if anyone's listening so I'm going to use generic names uh grandpa and um <laughs> Uh, so does so Grandpa have uh, an, an affair? Which is like one of those things. Like, so I heard Grandpa had an affair. I'm like, oh yeah, he had multiple affairs. Like he was a big time womanizer. She's like, Grandpa? I was like, oh yeah, he was. And she's like, I heard Grandma too. I'm like, oh yeah, Grandma too. Like, and it was just sort of like, oh my gosh, like Grandma and Grandpa. Because you don't think of that type of thing when you're when you're a kid. They're just Grandma and Grandpa. You can't imagine them living these other lives. Uh, and, and they figured stuff out, and, and it was fun. But, but we went through some of these different stories, like, oh, yeah, that. And some things I hadn't heard before, and some things she hadn't heard before. And some were just like lore. Like, you're not sure, but you're, you're, you suspect certain things. And there's just a lot of brokenness in, in any of our lives, any of our trees. And, and we kind of go through it. And we love our family, and we have this great family, and we have tons of fun together. But when you dig in, you see, man, that is kind of a tough situation. There's addiction and loss and, 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 and some tragedy and, you know, uh, you know, my family this year has kind of experienced that and it's kind of landed on my side out there. It's hard. And so you look at these sort of family trees like, oh my gosh, look at this, this, and this. And you, from the distance, like, oh, that's cool. It's such a big family. But you get into it, there's this sort of, yeah, there's this brokenness. And when we get into the, the text today, we're just seeing that continued brokenness. There's a good story. The Bible is this really big, good story. But when you dig into the the kind of family tree of the people, of God's people, there's a lot of brokenness that happens. There's a lot of offshoots, and times they kind of went away, and like, yeah, that was not a good time, and so-and-so, yeah, so-and-so, even them, they, they fell. You know, King David, yeah, even, even David. And so you kind of look at it, and so this story is starting to show that. We're, we're again, we're at, the, we're at the end of the Old Testament. So if you've been with us, you know we're in Ezra, Ezra Nehemiah, really one, one book, one text, uh, often split up in most of our, our Bibles. Uh, we're going through that, and we're about halfway through Nehemiah. We'll, we'll try to finish it by next week, because we're actually kind of coming up on it the Easter season. This is a great book to, to land into that, into that stretch. Uh, Nehemiah, the writings in Nehemiah, this is the end of the Old Testament. So if you flip through your Bibles, and we've talked about this, if you look in your app, it, it lands pretty early. It doesn't feel like the end. 
But chronologically, this is the end. There's a few prophets during this time. Malachi will be the last prophet, the last book in most of our, in most of our Bibles. He's prophesying during this time. This is his time. So this is it. This is where the Old Testament ends. And then there's this roughly 400 years we don't have any, we have information, we don't have inspired biblical text. So it's kind of the silent years that we're getting into. So as Nehemiah lands, like that's it. When you close the book on Nehemiah, the next time we're going to hear anything is when you get into, into the Gospels, into Matthew. So that's kind of the context. But it really leads into that New Testament Gospel story. When you read it that way, we can understand what's, what's happening. Uh, so last, last week we looked at chapter 4, just a quick review. People are in Jerusalem. There's been temple, there's altar, there's some community starting to happen again. Uh, this guy Nehemiah gets word that the, the walls have never been fixed or repaired, so the city is very vulnerable. There's lots of other monarchs and tribes around that would love to wipe out Jerusalem and, and, and plunder them. Uh, so he's like, we got to build the walls. Starts to go back, leads this awesome campaign to rebuild the walls. Uh, and, he, and he's praying and he's working. And they're getting word that the enemies are kind of picking up on this thing and they want to disrupt it. And so it's okay, we got to keep working, but we need guards. And God's going to protect us, but we got to arm ourselves. So it's this both this both end. There's this faith and there's this action. And action is not contra contradictory to faith, right? It goes with faith. So they're, they're, they're believing in God. God is going to give us success. God is going to protect us. But we're also going to pick up our swords and stand watch at the walls. And we're going to defend our families. So that's all that's sort of happening here. We're going to get into chapter 5. And these are all these ups and downs. It's like, man, things are going really well. There's, there's this deliverance and God's providing. And then there's this brokenness again, which is just, uh, which is just life. And this book from, from Ezra, which is Zerubbabel, leads the initial movement. Ezra comes in at the end of Ezra. He's going to come, show up in Nehemiah. He comes in at the end of Ezra. So these three guys are living in, in Persia in this, in this other land under another king. And this king sends them on their way to do this, this work of God. And I was thinking about it this week just as a kind of one of the, one of the positive takeaways from this book because there's a lot of tragedy and a lot of failure uh, is, is, is this idea when you're thinking of these, these leaders in this book, and for, for those of us here today, don't let your environment li limit your vision. Don't let your environment limit your vision. So each of these main characters in this book, they were not near Jerusalem. They did not have the means to help Jerusalem. They didn't have any provision. They did not have any authority. They're working like in the king's court or, or, or captive in this other land. And so to come up with some sort of vision, like, man, I'm getting vision my hometown, which is a four to five month journey away, is, is a big deal. Because some of us can sit in our situation now, our environment now, like, oh, I could never do that. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the skill set. Uh, I don't have the blessing. I don't have the authority. And you've got these three characters who, who, are, who are, stay close to God, even in the midst of their captivity, who God gives vision to and who carry it out. And they start to plan their own stuff. Nehemiah, he's, he's a planner. It doesn't, he, he sat with God and he came up with a plan. So don't let your environment limit your vision. It would be so easy for some, we do that all the time. We're like, man, that would be great for somebody else. And that's, I could see someone needs that or that would be a cool thing to do, but not, not where I am. And each of these guys, they probably had to fight through some of those doubts. Like, yeah, I don't see how I'm going to be able to help Jerusalem when I'm here. How am I going to help that person? Maybe there's someone in your life, at work, family. Uh, some kind of issue that you just kind of have known about in the world. Like, I'd love to do something about that, but I can't from way over here. And you just don't even think about it. Don't let your environment limit your vision. Well, I have kids, so I can't. Whatever your, whatever your environment is, it's like, well, I'm just trapped. You're not trapped here. If anyone was trapped, it would be guys like this. 
900 to 1,000 miles away, like in captivity. And they get this vision to restore and rebuild and bless and, 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 and follow God. So don't let your environment limit your vision. Chapter 5 goes on like this. Um, so he's kind of had this, you know, things are sort of going well. He's kind of right of the ship again. And Nehemiah jumps in and, he's, and, he, and he hears this outcry. Uh, 5-1. Now, the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat to stay alive, we must eat grain. So there's all this work happening. The walls are going up. city's getting on its feet. Uh, and now the men and their women are saying, wait, we, we need food. And others are saying, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during famine. Like, like we, didn't, we don't have any crops. We didn't grow anything. Did anyone think about that? Now we have to mortgage and sell our property. Others are saying, we have to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. So like, oh gosh, we're here now. We're still under Persia, so we still have to submit a, a tax. We don't have any money for that. So we have, to, we have to mortgage out our stuff. Although we're the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. So the leadership that's been established in Jerusalem, the Jewish people, they're, they're, they're self-governing this situation now. They've been here for a number of years. There's a, there's a system to it. They've, we've got to pay the king, and they have all this stuff. I keep stepping on this court. Sorry. They, they have a system set up, and, and there's people who are like, wow, we just kind of got here. We don't have a lot. And so the leader's like, all right, well, we have some wealth. What we'll do is we'll pay the king for you, but, but give us a lien on your property. Or, or even worse, yet they're saying, give us your sons or your daughters as slaves. This is what the people are doing in, in, in Jerusalem. So God delivered them miraculously to go back to this place to worship and restore the temple. And this is what's happening now. Like, this is the brokenness. Oh, my gosh, like, the leaders and the nobles are doing that? We're having to, to sell our sons and daughters to our own kind? Like, now we're right back in slavery? When I heard their outcry, this is Nehemiah, and these, these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind, and this is often of Nehemiah, if you can just kind of see the text. He, he's a thinker, he's a little bit, he's a slower processor, he plans, right? When he came to the city, he looked around and surveyed it in the night, and he, he kind of came up with something. When he brought his plan to the king initially, he had thought it through, he's like, this is how long it's going to take. So he ponders these things. He's angry, but he takes a minute to ponder. When you're angry, always good to ponder. Super angry, let me go ponder for a little while before I say anything. You're angry, go ponder. I pondered in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. So that's, that's where he was going with this. He knew that was coming. Let me think about this first because these are nobles and officials. I, I got to be, be tactful. And I told them, you're charging your own people interest? So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have, we have bought back our fellow, excuse me, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. And they kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So he's getting accused. Like, man, we have, we have, we have rescued our people from slavery. Now you're, now you're bringing them back into slavery. And they just kept quiet, nothing to say. So, so I continued. What you're doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers, my men, are also lending the people money and grain, but let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also the interest you are charging them. 
1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They say this in verse 12. We will give it back, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. And so he calls them all together, and they start to go through this, this process. But he calls them out on the map. Because right? the people are starving. There, there's this outcry. We don't have anything. We're here. This is great that we're here. But now we don't have any food, and we're, and we're having to sell our sons and daughters back to our own kind. We're mortgaging our homes and fields. Nehemiah takes issues. He says, guys, this is crazy. We have to stop doing this. And, and they say, we will. We will. Because it's not like they didn't know it was wrong. Right? They, they knew it was wrong. This wasn't a mistake. This is the difference when we talk about sin versus mistake. Oh, that wasn't, oh, we're not supposed to do that? We're not supposed to take our own people, sons and daughters, as slaves? Oh, sorry. They're like, yeah, we will. Busted. Got it. We'll do that. And if they're, if they're paying attention, if, and I'm not sure where Nehemiah was during this time, we'll maybe come back to that. He would say, man, this is going in the wrong direction, but it seemed to have gone on for a while. And it's not just an accident. It's sort of a, a brokenness in the heart. Like, things happen that are mistakes. Like, oh, shoot, I blew it on that one. I'll remember to do better next time. I was coming down Main Street this week, uh, kind of by the old Target, and you know where FedEx Kinko's is over there. And I'm uh, approaching to get on the freeway southbound, and there were some red lights. We just started moving. I see someone come out of the, they were kind of out of that Kinko's parking lot. And they're, they're, they, they start to accelerate, and there was a pile of papers on the top of their car, like 200 to 300 sheets of paper. I mean, just everywhere. This, it went away up in the sky. It, was, it looked like the NBA championship. Like, yeah, I like when to get out and like cheer. There's pink ones and white ones, and just blowing up all over the place. Crazy. And, they, and I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, can I get to them? And I, I don't know what happened. They didn't at least see it right away because they got on the freeway. And whatever they were doing that for, they were going to get somewhere, right? Have you ever been there? You're like, oh my, you look in your backseat, they're not there. And you're like, the roof. And like, you're not getting those back. Like, that's it. Like, that was a mistake. And you will probably not do that again, right? You will try to remember that the next time. And I, I felt terrible. I was thinking, can I stop? Should I start collecting papers? There's cars running over it. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Like, you'll, you'll remember that, hopefully. That's a mistake. What, what these guys are doing is not a mistake. It, this is sin. This is a, a deeper brokenness. Because the law was clear, right? We don't treat our people this way. We don't treat other human beings this way. We don't take our own kinds, uh, sons and daughters, because they, they owe us money. That is not right. That is, that is sin. That is brokenness. And say, so we will. And like, are they really sorry? I mean, this is the story of these books. God is, has liberated them. They've, they've got back to a place of worship. Remember, remember, Ezra wasn't that long ago. I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are intermarrying and bringing in pagan practices. What happened? We have this great story here that God's given us, and now you're doing this? Like, oh yeah, shoot, sorry. Like, okay, let's fix it. Like, they don't push back on it because they know they're in the wrong. Again, this is the difference between making a mistake and the sin that we carry that separates us from God. And no temple, no practices, no, no worship, no, no altar is going to fix that. And that's what we're seeing here at the end of the Old Testament. It's nice to be able to come back and, oh, cool, we have the temple and there's some restoration of Jerusalem, but it doesn't last. This doesn't fix anything. It doesn't really get them anywhere. Ezra has to correct them. And Nehemiah has done this uh, once with the walls. He's doing it now. He's going to do it again. And it shows something about the hearts of the people that we have to recognize again as we move into the New Testament narrative. They had moved from exile. that God had set them out into, into Jerusalem. And I'm sure they had high hopes. 
And I don't know what even all their motives were for that. Was it just to get back to closer to God? And, man, we can't wait to get to the temple again and get right with our, with our God. Or was it like, oh, cool, let's just go back. I don't want to be here anyway. We need our own land. We need our own temple. We need our own government. Let's get our own king going again. And maybe that's some of the motive. I don't think that was Ezra or Nehemiah's, some of these leaders' motive. When you see the people get there, it kind of says, hey, they, did they really care to begin with? Maybe they didn't even care. And I don't know. This is interesting. I was just kind of thinking about this situation because Ezra's not out of the story. He's going to come back in in chapter 8. There's a lot of stuff happening. Nehemiah's there. And I don't know to knock this guy. I think he's a good leader. But I, but I felt a little sense of a warning. Like maybe he missed some of this stuff going on because he said, oh, yeah, me and my people, me, me and my nobles have been lending, uh, lending money too. It's like we're just not doing interest on it. But yeah, we, we get it. But, but like he missed something. Because maybe he was so caught up in this task of this wall, like, ah, he never took off my clothes. We worked day and night. I had guards. We got it done in 52 days. Then he missed all this other stuff coming undone. Again, I don't want to slam Nehemiah, but I think there's a warning there for some of us who get into a task, even if, especially if you're a strong leader. Maybe that's your household. Maybe that's your job. It's your school system. It's your family. Like, man, i got to get this thing done. got to get done as fast as possible. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to work around the clock. I will not rest. I'm going to get somebody here. You go here. Get everybody going on this thing. And meanwhile, sons and daughters are being sold into slavery to their own people. Like, there's this deep, dark brokenness happening in the midst of this rebuild. And it's like, so what about the walls? You're far from God. Right? Ezra, he shows up again in chapter 8, and he throws down, but he's been there the whole time. And he's, he's, in, the, he's in the temple courts. He's probably writing stuff in the temple. He's, he's in that priestly line. Like, what are you doing? Sometimes we're in stuff, we just miss it. And we can get so busy and so task-oriented, you can miss these other areas of brokenness. Man, that happens in our own families. It happens with our friendships, businesses, wherever. School. And so they get in trouble, and, and they're happy to, to kind of move on. It. Uh, just a quick quote from the theologian John Lennon. Uh, life's what happens while you're busy making other plans, right? So just think about that. Like, oh, my gosh, this is Nehemiah. He's like, plan, and then all this stuff's happening. And again, love Nehemiah. I think he's a good leader, but just a warning for some of us. And so, so the people get this thing, all right, we're not going to do that again. Like, sorry, like, let's, let's give them back their money, right? This is when, when Ezra challenged them on inter, intermarriage and the sort of pagan stuff happening. He's like, like oh, okay, cool, let's just separate everybody. Like, they're pretty quick to bounce back, like, all right, whatever. Let's, let's, we'll, we'll separate the wives and we'll move on. Oh, we'll give the money back and we'll move on. Like, when they get in trouble, they're, they're good about, like, oh, I'm going to do this. But it doesn't last. Right, you go to the dentist. I was at a dentist not too long ago, and... Um, I have terrible luck with a dentist. I just try. I don't know what it is, but I just had a bad deal and got a bad set of teeth. And uh, so I'm always happy if I can go and it's, there's no, no bad news. And, uh, you know, they go through, like, oh, there's some areas, you know, you should, you could pretty good, but you want to, you know, make sure to floss these areas or their heart and some of these teeth down here are a little crooked and this is some tough spots. Like, yeah, I'm going to floss, I'm going to floss. And, and like, I'm going to floss every day. I'm going to floss every day. And like, that lasts for like three days. Like, well, maybe I'll floss every other day. You know when you get those kind of words and you're going to do so much better? Like, uh, and it kind of tapers off. Eh, maybe not every day. You know? But when you're, when, it, when you're called out like that, someone say, hey, you know what? You should probably, yeah, I know. I get it. You're, you're, you're totally right. I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to justify it. You're right. But you still kind of don't do it. 
you still like, uh, man, you get those checkups with your health. Yeah, you know what? You probably need to work on your blood pressure. You start going for walks, start eating this. Yeah, you're totally right. I'm not going to argue you. You go on for like a week of doing that. Man, I got to stop eating this. We just fall back into it. Those are our mistakes. Those are just inherent sort of brokenness that we carry. And so the people are experiencing that. And it doesn't matter. The temple is great. The temple show. They've had some celebrations. They've got some of their calendar days back on there. They're having their festivals. It's kind of like, so what? Hosea is a, a prophet who prophesied years before these guys in a similar time. So this from, from God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It's like, I, I, like, I want you to know me, not just go through these practices that look like you know me. And man, it's great to rebuild, and it's been a fun, fun story, but these people are not really getting it. And I think for the, for the crew that's there now, there's probably some good ones, but there seems to be a lot of bad ones, because it is the leadership. When Ezra had to, had to correct them, they said, oh man, they're intermarrying. Like, even the leaders are intermarrying, or even these nobles and, and higher-up people above us have brought in these kind of pagan people, or integrating with these pagan people. The leaders are doing it. So what was their motive to get back to Jerusalem? Like, it seemed like it didn't take them long. Very self-interest. There's an opportunity. Oh, our people are struggling. There's an opportunity here for us to make some money. And I don't know. I, I, I think of if, you know, if you weren't worshiping God in Persia, I don't think you're going to worship him in Jerusalem. If you, if you can't worship God where you're at, I'm not sure you're going to worship him somewhere else. If, oh, man, if my life was just a little easier, a little better, it would be so much Easier for me to be close to God. And that's, that's not always true. I think God likes to put us in those situations where it's hard. It's like, are you going to worship me here? Well, am I good here? Well, you know, if we just change a little bit of the context environment, then it would be a little easier for me, God. Maybe we can connect a little more. But I'm not sure if they weren't worshiping him there. Are they going to worship him somewhere else? That's an example of a, of a good story, of powerful story, is that of Daniel. The story of Daniel, the guy who got thrown in with the lions, right? Captive in, in Babylon, very oppressive, dangerous empire. They took Daniel away and his friends because he was learned and smart, and like, we're going to use him for our own good. And Daniel worshiped God in Babylon. In his room, he would go and pray. He did not, he did not give in, he did not compromise to the point of, of execution. In that place, it wasn't like, God, if you can just get me out of here and we can just build our temple, if we can just get an altar, if we can just get our festivals going again, if we can just get the priests set up, then I'll worship you. I'll worship you right now in this room with no one around. And that's the heart that I think God's after. And he's showing that because you'll see in the New Testament, there's this like, man, if we could just get back to the glory days where we had our own land and place and leadership, then it'll be better. And the Old Testament shows, no, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Like, you guys crazy? Have you read the Old Testament? Have you seen what you do every time I deliver you? You do the same thing over and over and over again. I found this, uh, I don't know how the guys come up. I, this, this book is just taking way longer than I anticipated. But um, we're still going to, we'll get it done before Easter, I promise you. Uh, I was on a run the other day and uh, go past this object on the ground and I went past it. You ever do that? Like you walk by something, or you run, run by something. Like, what was that? And like, 
I don't really feel like going back for it, but I'm curious about it. So, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go back for it. And I kind of run back and I see this little card on the ground. And uh, it's this Valentine's Day card. And it says, it's got Iron Man on it. And uh, it says, you can fly with me anytime, be my Valentine. Uh, love, Ariel. <laughs> and, uh, and then you pick it up, well, I can't just throw it back on the ground. So I got to take it with me. But it's this funny kind of story, right? And, that, and I don't know what the story is to this card, but somebody gave this card to somebody else. And it said, hey, I, you know, I kind of, I like you, I love you. And maybe it was just a class, everybody gets one, right? But there's this Valentine given, and you never know, and they write their name on it, like maybe this is the one that's really gonna mean something. And they give this Valentine over, and at some point, you know, between the, the school and the, and the bus or the car, like it falls out of the pile, it just falls out of the backpack, it ends up on the ground, and you know, like, oh, you see it on the ground, like, ah, not gonna pick that up. Like there was something given with, with an intent of, of love and, and, and of care and of kindness, right? A Valentine is that, is that thing. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And you move on. And I, I think it's a story, it, so much of the Old Testament is God is, he's trying, he just kind of keeps giving these Valentines. It's like, I love you. I love you. I, I, he's like, I know it's not even gonna really help you to give you back your land, but I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set you free. I'm gonna show you that I love you. And they receive this gift, and they come out of exile, and they come out of slavery, and, they, and, and, and God provides. And he gives, and like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then it's like, falls out of their pocket. Like, uh, and then God just gives another one, and he just keeps giving. And he keeps giving. And ultimately, this is going to paint just such a pretty picture of, of who Jesus is in, in this gift. But God is a giver of this stuff. And you and I sometimes be like, oh, this is cool. And then you lose it, or you forget about it. Like, yeah, there is a God who loves me for who I am, who, who, who wants to redeem my life, who wants to protect me and be close to me. And those are beautiful gifts. And they're fun for a second, then sometimes they just kind of fall out because it gets lost in the shuffle. And so the people here is, man, didn't you know? Didn't, don't you see what happened? God moved on the hearts of the enemy king to set you free. And he, and, he, and he resourced you with money and food and time to go and, and build your home again. What a gift. Like, oh, yeah, I guess that was cool. And then, then they just kind of go back to whatever they were doing. So, God, thank you for your story. Thank you for the honesty in the text. Oh, Lord, we are people who, um, man, we forget. I, I forget, God. I forget about your love, just your pure love. And I can get caught up doing other stuff. I forget about all the gifts that you've given in my past. It's so easy to think about what I don't have now, all the things I wish I had. God, you have given so much. Lord, ultimately in the gift of your son, what a, what a blessing, Lord. We have more than enough, Jesus. So I pray for hearts this morning that they be soft, they be touched. Holy Spirit, move upon us as we, as we sing. Draw near to us, Lord. Love you.